Hello again, friends. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And there are so many ways you can listen to the Geek Down Podcast. So many. The two, two is many, right? Well, I mean, there's more than two, but basically there are two. And then from there, it branches. Yeah, more or less, there's two. I feel like of all the many ways, they all kind of come back to two. SoundCloud.com slash GeekDownPod. Give us a follow on there. You will get a notification every time a new episode goes live. Or iTunes. Top right corner. Hit subscribe. Chauncey, the Geek Down Internet Elf, fresh from his field trip to the Women's March. Because, you know, Chauncey woke. Yeah. He's back to work, back on that grind, out in these streets, delivering you piping hot fresh episodes of the Geek Down directly to your phone, tablet, laptop, what have you. Because he cares. He cares that you have the geek down to get you through. He really, he really wants you to because we're, we're a dirty feminist podcast. Oh, yeah. So, Horribly dirty and feminist. Oh, just gross. Yeah. Just, just like, oh, just. Thinking women are people and shit. And, and, and all our socialism that we're trying to spread and love and peace to mankind. Oh, Ugh. God. Actually caring about the welfare of other people. Throw up meme here. Blah. All your emojis. Are belong to us. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> it's a hot reference. Uh, wow, it is piss ugly in Toronto today. Are you kidding? This is amazing. This kind of weather is my oh, favorite ang- weather. Anglophile over there. <laughs> Just imagining out in her London fog trench. This is splashing through these through these damp streets. Uh, it's tea weather. So anytime it's tea weather, it's good weather. <laughs> For the people who may not be aware, what are the uh, what are the characteristics of tea weather? It has to be something called um, drich. I'm sorry, what? Drich. It's a Scottish what word. What language is that? It's, it's Scots. It just means like cold and wet and damp and horrible and ugly, as you put it, and gray and just drich. And this is this is right up your alley? This is right up my alley. <laughs> I love this weather. I've been lost in fog twice this week. It's been great. <laughs> Guess you forgot to put the fog lights in. <laughs> Hot Simpsons joke. I have met more people recently, by the way, who have like never seen The Simpsons in their life. I, I can't. I don't know how it happens. I don't but... know. If you haven't seen The Simpsons, you just that is something that you have to spend time doing. It is so much a part of our culture. I think it's probably the most culturally significant thing in throughout the the nineties. Probably. Definitely in like the from eighties eighties to two thousands. Like late like whenever it Season, whenever the characters stop being ugly, <laughs> so yeah, like season yeah. season two, season three, to like basically the year two thousand. Like there's yeah, it's just there, and there's so many references um, that The Simpsons. They're kind of almost like a bridge. They have either <laughs> like people have referenced things in Simpsons in either other animation or shows or just how we make television now. Or The Simpsons kind of led us, a younger generation, to other content. Mm-hmm. Um, because the writers, of course, were just steeped in their own pop culture that maybe someone like me, who was born in 86, didn't know about and either wanted to know about or wanted to get the joke. Or there a character would appear and then I'd look up that character and then I'd find this whole trove of 
amazing either literary treasure or film treasure or television treasure. So they just are so significant that I couldn't even, I couldn't understand meeting someone who hadn't, who, who didn't at least have some knowledge of The Simpsons. It just seems so bizarre. It's even just kind of like how I filter people in my life. <laughs> if, I try, <laughs> if I drop a Simpsons <laughs> reference in everyday conversation and it's, it doesn't get picked up, it's like, mm. Mm, we're mm. judging you. Making that face of Michelle at the, at the inauguration. It's like, mm. <laughs> mm. Shouts to Michael Che. That was actually, he kept doing that on Weekend Update last night. It was very good. SNL was pretty good last night from what I saw. I will have to watch it. Um, yeah, so welcome to Trump's America, everyone. We're trying to uh, stay positive in the face of it. Well, I don't have is- any grand point to make. It's just like, hey, welcome to the new reality. I never thought this is a thing I'd ever have to endure in my lifetime, but. Yeah, I don't know. When I was in university, I read a lot of stuff about the end of the time as we know it, and so I was kind of prepared. <laughs> and I'm a lady, well, so we're kind of always yeah, prepared that <laughs> horrible things are going to happen. You always got one eye cocked behind you, like mm. yeah. Um, and I have I remember you know growing up in the in a border town during the Cold War, just always kind of having that vague sense of dread that you know the Russians were coming. To kill you. Yeah. You didn't really know why or understand why because I was like seven. Yeah. Of course, from my perspective, I was three when the wall fell. So I'm like, <laughs> what Cold War? What? What's that? That was a thing. And now I'm 39 looking at the state of the world going, word? <laughs> We're going to do this again? Again? Again. This is this seems, this seems like a great idea for everyone involved. All right. Yeah. And though it's a obviously, it's a much different time. So that's interesting as well. The fact that the Women's March apparently had more attendees than Trump's inauguration. Good sign. Listen. Trump's press secretary came out and said they had the most people ever. Ever. Period. He put a period on the end of it. And that, oh yeah, and that all the news agencies were colluding. Yes. Basically, to to broadcast this, this fake news. <laughs> That there are more women at the Women's March. Yes. Um, And shouts to uh, Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd on NBC. I saw that clip this morning. He he had Trump's chief gaslighter on this morning, uh, Kellyanne Conway. We all (laughs) know and do not love at all. Except when Kate McKinnon does her impression of her. (laughs) And the best is when you go back and before she got hired on, she just dragged his ass like all over the place. And then he gave her a job and now it's like. I can't. That's not the point. Um, Chuck Todd basically trying to make the point that, like, the first act this administration did. Yeah. The first act this press secretary did was come out and argue a totally disprovable fact. Yeah. Like, you just... and they get, The media keeps trying to, like, hedge their bets by calling them falsehoods. Yeah. It's, called, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He lied. Just like they're not alt-right. They're fascists. Or Nazis or whatever have you. Um, Shouts to Richard Spencer. I hope the jaw's good. I don't actually. If your jaw's wired shut, you can't talk. <laughs> and Chuck Todd was asking Conway, like, you know, what does that? What are we supposed to take from that? Like, it's not something that can't be disproven. And watching her try to like Ali her way out of it, like, and listen, the girl can dance. I'll give her that. She's like nailing jello to a tree. It ain't just it ain't gonna happen. She's like whoop, 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 whoop. she is dodging. Immediately tried to flip it back. Apparently there was there was a report that uh, one of the first items of business was removing a bust of Martin Luther King from the Oval Office. Yeah. Um, which got reported a bunch of places and was disproven. Apparently that did not happen. So mm-hmm. let's 
Let's be fair. I did not see that story, but that was the first thing she brought up. And Chuck Todd was like, well, that was regrettable. It was also corrected by everyone who reported it. Yeah. But like to the people who are invested in the fake news narrative, like that's enough. Like the fact that it went out at all, not that you went, mm, me a couple are bad. It's the fact that you put it out there in the first place. Yeah. Never mind the fact that this administration will never do that if they're proven wrong. No, what Scott Spicer, the press secretary, put out, according to Kellyanne Conway, were alternative facts. Alternative facts? That's the hashtag today. Hashtag alternative facts. <gasps> That's your concept for the week, friends. Alternative facts. They're not lies. They're alternative facts. It's almost... I feel like breathtaking uh, yeah, in its duplicity. I feel like they must have some sort of dark wizard who's conjuring up some magic dark thesaurus that they just keep on pulling from. Some weird alternate universe thesaurus where we don't have lies, we have alternate facts. Ch Chuck Todd, to his credit, was like, that's not a thing. No. Alternative facts are falsehoods. Yeah. <laughs> like the opposite, basically saying they're opposite facts, which would be the opposite of facts, which are lies. And she kept trying to like, what's the word? God, I'm, I don't sports, whatever that thing, rope-a-dope. That's what she was trying to do. That's, that's that thing Ali did. She was trying to rope-a-dope the questions and she tried to spin it off to something else. And then I had enough of her face and her answers and everything and had enough. But shouts to you, Chuck Todd. Good job. Keep it up. <laughs> I saw a tweet before that, um, before that press conference where they were setting up photos like, clearly narrow angle photos of, like, you know, the thousands of people right in front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how many people there are. No wide shots presented. And it was the photo of them setting up these, you know, giant blown up photos. And whoever tweeted it was just like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's don't get up there and try to argue that you had the biggest inauguration in the history of the world. Yeah. It's the mind. The mind boggles. Anyway, I'm sorry, friends. I just got a, got a lot of... I got too much trouble on my mind. I know you don't come here for that, so. Uh, well, you know they wanna they wanna commiserate, right? <laughs> Everyone want they come here. Is that what you want, friends? Do you yeah. want to commiserate? They want to commiserate. That's why I'm always telling them get up on our Facebook. We'll commiserate with you. Which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geek down pod. Yes, it is. So come and get your commiserate on. Yeah, and or just, you know, come to hang out, ask us questions, ask us to talk about things or not talk about things. Like, if you want this to be the super safe zone <laughs> and you don't even want to hear... And we'll get surprised by our, by our continued aghast, our flabbergast at the <laughs> state of the world. <laughs> then then we, can, we can see what we can do for you. <sighs> but we're done for now. How we're was your week, Kate? Uh, very, very busy. You're always busy. Well, it's a busy time. It's the it's startup. And in the industry I work in, which is education, that's true. Uh, there are there are a couple of startups a year, and they're very busy, and there are lots of students coming in and out. And um, I I like being busy, but it's just you know all of a sudden it's Sunday, and I have a podcast to do. <laughs> uh, my week was just finishing the piece that I was finishing for that outlet I talked about last week. Still don't know if I can talk about it yet, or if I feel like talking about it. Hopefully it goes well. Like I said to Kate before we started, the problem with freelance writing for any of you aspiring freelance writers out there is you will get a job or a job assignment. It will be the center of your life for two weeks and then you will mail it off and think immediately you will get a response or a good job or fix this or some sort of investment in the work you have submitted. <laughs> your, your article is one of like 300 your editor has got to go through on any given week. So patience is a virtue. <laughs> 
Yes. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, hopefully that goes well and they buy it and all, all that mess goes well. Uh, yeah, but I didn't really have time for much else because I was just doing that and watching all the Terrace House, which will come up later in the show. I was also watching a couple things. One of the things that I forgot to mention last week, mm-hmm. but I will bring them up later as well uh, because I have some fun updates. Oh, okay. They're going to save all that for updates? Yeah. All right. So we can get right on to news. News. Well, what is up that with the news? Uh, everyone wants to talk about the next Logan trailer, which came out. Eh. I oh. didn't see it. Oh, you back, you back on that train now? I'm, as soon as I realized <laughs> as soon as that, that clock dinged on January 1st. I, I was really glad we cleared up the fact that I could watch television trailers because that's how I've been getting my fix. <laughs> I've been getting through. But movie trailers, I have stayed far away from. The only thing I watched was a foreign French film, so I don't think it counts. Um, was it L? It was not L. Oh. I don't even know what that is. See, look at me. <laughs> I got the horse blinders on. Apparently, um, the Logan trailer just goes to prove what I have been saying about trailers, which is just and why I'm always down with trailers because mm-hmm. they just give away way too much. Sure, we probably all suspected that girl in the trailer was X-23. Now we know. Oh. Because she very slowly pops claws and kills a bunch of people in the trailer. Cool. Thanks. Great. Professor X says the F word. <gasps> cool. Because it's... Because it's, it's, it's rated R. So everyone's going to start swearing now. Um, And it got oddly uh, meta, or seems to be trying to. There's a moment where... Similarly, one of my favorite bits from the first Captain America was when they referenced the actual Captain America comics mm-hmm. as like propaganda for the actual person, Captain America. Yeah. In these, I don't know why or how they really explain it. It's like, looks like as they are first finding the girl, they're in her room and Logan like picks up an X-Men comic. And I don't know if Charles says something about like, oh, she's a fan. He's like, it didn't happen like this. People died. Um. Wow. Dark. Um. That actually happens in the Miss Marvel comic is Kamala Khan is a huge captain marvel fan and has her like posters and is reading like iron man comics and Mm. and you know uh, a whole bunch of marvel comics and they have their own comic books and like toys and stuff and i i thought that was actually really cool so that's a thing that's out in the world again you can go check that out if you feel like it um doesn't do it kind of makes me want to see the movie less because you're just keep giving me more of the movie in the trailer so it's like yeah why do i have to go (laughs) you don't have to no one's forcing you (laughs) Um, speaking of comics, do you want to tackle this one? You brought it up when we came in. I do. I do want to tackle this one because I have all kinds of notes. Tackle it then. The crew is coming back, which is pretty exciting. Hey, let me speak for the listeners. What? Um, the crew, uh, was something that was originally created by Christopher Priest. Shouts to Priest. Marvel's first black editor, which is a perfect, perfect example of why, Having, you know, people of color on your staff is important. It is a group of black superheroes who came together to fight crime. Yep. And it's coming back because Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is my superhero of the month, uh, (laughs) he did a great job with Black Panther. He also has come together uh, to do Black Panther World of Wakanda. And he with Roxanne Gay, which I did not know. Yes, That's something that needs to be get called out. Roxanne Gay is writing comics now, which is cool. And he's decided to bring the crew back together. So he is pairing up with uh, Yona Harvey, and Harvey is a poet and has also wor- uh, worked on World of Wakanda. And uh, he's working with the artist, uh, I think it's Butch Gucci. 
think that's right. He's been working since the 1980s. He's you know, it might be. I just always called it juice, but. <laughs> oh, I think it's Gucci. I'm not sure about that. I've never heard it. If said. anyone knows, it's G-U-I-S-E. I always called it juice, but I have no, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, and he's been working since the 1980s. He's worked on all kinds of things mm-hmm. around forever. Um, and it's going to be a team up of T'Challa, Misty Knight, Storm, Manifold. And uh, it's going to bring together the sort of. We've actually talked about it on the show two-tiered heroes. So they're sort of the heroes who deal with sort of street crime and stuff going on down in the cities. Yeah, that's your Misty and your Luke Cage. Yeah, and then it's also gonna bring in the big guns, which are like Storm and T'Challa, um, Manifold. Kind of goes in between. Kinda, yeah. I don't know. I think he's in. I don't know exactly his story. I think he might be Aboriginal. I think he's in the tradition of Gateway, which is like a minor X-Men character from like Claremont's. 90s run yeah i think i don't know um so yeah so they're bringing that group together i'm super excited if you want to know more the stories have popped up on the mary sue and io9 so you can check that out and i'm sure comics news has has stuff about it as well um well do you want i got a couple what do i got i got three goods and a bad uh i'll take I'll take at least one of those goods. You want good number one, two, or three? Uh, oh, um, let's go with number two. Door number two. Good number two. Probably the one that is relevant to Caitlin's life the least, but hey, maybe not. A while back, we had spoken about this anime called Your Name by the director Makoto Shinkai and how it was just demolishing everything in its path. Yes, I remember this. Box office totals everywhere. Maybe top three, definitely top ten movie period in japan and it was on track to surpass spirited away as the highest grossing anime movie in japan ever which is amazing and it did this week so that is it i don't know how we have still yet to see this movie we may have an opportunity to see this movie this may need to be a jordan kate uh, geek down outing possibly <gasps> when the time comes funimation announced that april 7th they will be holding north american screenings of your name so Maybe we'll finally get a chance to see what the fuck all the fuss is about. Because frankly, Japan, if you're going to tell me with your dollar expenditure that this movie is better than basically the collected body of work of Hayao Miyazaki, that's a bold statement. That is a bold statement. So if you are interested in this, if you're a, if you're a weeb dork out there and you want to see this movie, your first opportunity will be on April 7th. Uh, you shouldn't have told them that because you know what's going to happen. It's going to sell out. It's going to be Godzilla again, and I'm not going to be able to see it. <laughs> exactly. One screening, really, guys? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Godzilla had like two or three. I don't know. Anyway, Funimation.com. Uh, I can throw the link up on the Facebook group, which is something I say I'll always do, but maybe I'll actually do it this time. And anybody interested can uh, toss them your email or whatnot or bookmark it so you can be aware of updates to the schedule and screenings and ticket availability. Sounds cool. Cool. What you got? Um, I've got some astronomy news. It's Caitlin's astronomy update. Do do do. Uh, so a team of research researchers at San uh, San Francisco State University, led by Dr. Stephen Kane, um, they are looking at life on other planets. Uh huh. Specifically, one that's about fourteen light years away, which is actually not too bad. It's kind of like ninety three million miles away. Just oh, sure. So, just so yeah. or, or sorry, no, it's it's 93 million miles away times... I was going to say, isn't that just the distance from here to the no, sun? Uh, yes, 93, and the times times 14, basically. Oh. So 
just you yeah. know stone throw. There's like so there's a ten to the power of like eight in there times something. <laughs> anyway, um, hop, hop skip. Yeah. So the uh, system they're looking at is uh, Wolf One Zero Six One. It's a star system, like I said, that isn't too far away from us, and they're specifically looking at Planet One Zero Six One C, which is inside the habitable zone, also known as the Goldilocks zone, also known as an M-class planet for those Trekkies out there. That's how they. That's how they. That's how they do it. I Caitlin McKinnon just like swinging that space knowledge around. Oh yeah, just smacking you in the face with it. Oh yeah. Um, the reason that this is important is because it's so close that we can actually do follow up studies to see if it in fact does have life hmm. relatively easily. Um, for instance, if we wanted to, we could send out a signal, and if there is intelligent advanced life on the planet we could possibly get something back to us by 2045 (laughs) say in my lifetime or no that's that's not that bad borderline borderline i mean in in terms of astronomy and when we talk about space and you know information and and finding things and looking for things that's like a blip it's (laughs) like a beep not even It's, it's just a it's a pinprick provided the world is still here in 2045 but fingers crossed Wow, this is going to start getting spiraled and get real dark. Um, however, bringing us back out into the positive. Yes. If you want to know more about this story, uh, Dr. Kane and his team's findings will be published in the next issue of Astrophysical Journal. Um, there is a link. Let's pick that up at your local newsstand. <laughs> yeah, well, there is actually a link to a uh, preprint version if you go to a, the io9 article ah. um, that you can check it out yourself. And. Uh, and that's just kind of freaking awesome because even if there's not, say, life like ours, there could be other cool animals, giant seahorses <laughs> that I could ride, you know, just like... Chocobos. There could be chocobos. Find me a chocobo science. This is where you have to put the chocobo song in. Um... So yeah, I just like the idea of there possibly being these other amazing planets with cool stuff. It's actually probably because it's sort of closer to the sun, it's sort of around, I think they said around sort of Venus's area, it would be a pretty harsh environment, but there could be like giant camels or something. I mean, just like amazing you're, stuff. You're real big on giant and comparable to what's here. Well, I just, I feel like if... Depending on the atmosphere and the gravity, if the gravity's lower, they could have like giant. Like I don't know if you saw Interstellar. No. Nah. They had a big water planet, and Ugh. all I could think, and you're going to be so mad at me. All I could think is like they could have giant whales. Nope. Nope. <laughs> He's just like, shut up, Caitlin. I'm going to punch nope. you. Um, Sidebar. Back to the whale thing. Did we ever talk about the the Russian deep sea fisherman who has a Twitter account where he like posts <laughs> the nightmares that he pulls out from the ocean depths? <laughs> I don't know. Why were you even near that guy? It was a, I did, it was a fucking IO9 or Gizmodo article or something. Uh, and they found this. Yeah. And the first thing he posted looked like a tiny version of that thing with the eyes on its hands from Pan's Labyrinth. Like, just like a skinless baby type of thing. Like, burn it with fire and throw it the fuck back. <laughs> Why do you even have this thing? Like, oh, God. Dear. So, yes, you're like, giant fuzzy camels. No, I'm envisioning that. I'm just envisioning <laughs> giant growpers and i just the the idea of there being because of course once you find 
that there is life on other planets, which is a, a possibility, but not a very large possibility, but it is a possibility. I think it's a likelihood. Whether or not we find any is another and, matter. But Yeah. There's actually some weird equation that I learned in my astronomy class, um, and it, it is not – it's actually relatively slim because you have to have – an atmosphere, a planet that is small enough that has atmosphere that repels radiation mm. and that also has liquid water and it can't be too far away because it can't be frozen. It can't be too, like the Goldilocks zone is a really hard thing to do. That's why they're so excited about this planet. Mm. Um, and there's some crazy equation. I can't remember what it's called. Starfleet was find, finding M-class planets <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Well, this is, this is why I want to live in Star Trek. <laughs> Okay, this is exactly why. Hey, you're just lucky I didn't bring up Wolf three five nine. It's a we, we don't talk about Wolf three five nine on this podcast. I have no idea what it is, but it is. It's a really important battle. It was a Borg battle in Star Trek, and then it comes up in Deep Space Nine because that's where <laughs> you can just see him fading as I'm talking about this. Anyways, you're just lucky I didn't bring up more Star Trek stuff. You want good thing one, three, or the bad thing? Three. Good thing number three from, pulled directly from the Baby Steps file. So, uh, I believe it's Chris Lord and Phil Miller, two uh, producers and directors who have come up on the show previously because they were the creative force behind Clone High, which we talked about on the show once. But I've also gone on to do the Jump Street movies and the Lego movie and Last Man on Earth and basically did everything and they own Hollywood now. Apparently, Sony held some sort of event this week where they showed a bunch of shit. And I don't know if it's for like stockholders or board members or the media or what or all the above, but I saw some articles from people who were there who saw the first 40 minutes of Logan and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other thing. And one of the things they revealed was that Lord and Miller will be doing an animated Spider-Man movie. Free from, not related to Homecoming, free of the MCU. Okay. It's kind of a standalone Spider-Man movie starring Miles Morales. <gasps> Miles Morales will be the Spider-Man in the Lord and Miller Spider-Man movie. So if Lord and Miller are doing it, it's not going to be like some direct-to-video, direct-to-Netflix like sort of thing. I'm so excited. If Lord and Miller are behind it, it's going to have you know a marketing push. It's going to get out there. It's going to go out into the world. And your rando fans who just see, go, go out and see the movies are going to be like, why is Spider-Man black? Hopefully they don't go, why is Spider-Man black? They go, why is Spider-Man black? And decide to investigate that fact and learn more about Miles Morales and become fans of the character and so on so, and so forth. There was once this little boy with his mom in the place we used to work. Yeah. Oh, you you mean major Canadian retailer? That, that would be the one. That place. And... He was looking through the Spider-Man comics. He happened to be black, and he was talking to his mom about Spider-Man, and he was trying to be like, look at this thing, look at this thing. And I was like, oh, have you guys taken a look at the Miles Morales Spider-Man stuff? Because mm. rep- representation is super important. And she's like, oh, no, what's that? And I pulled out the comic, and I showed it to them, and the look on his face <laughs> was one of my happiest moments in the entire world. It still makes me like get verklempt and mm. like, like um and that's part partially why representation is important so that people know that they can be superheroes and they can be in that role and that little 
boy's face just makes me <laughs> so happy when I think about it. So I hope he grows up and becomes Spider-Man. Well, now little black boys and girls and other children of color all over the place will probably get their first exposure to Miles Morales. And hopefully that can maybe that will lead further down the line to your dream of an actual live action Miles Morales movie. <sighs> One can only hope. One can only hope. Do you have anything else or are we going to rattle off the last ones here? Uh, I don't have anything else. I've been trying to keep it keep it short and tight. Keep it tight. Good or bad? I got one good, one bad. Well, go with bad so that so if it's really good. bad, then I can end good. So, Star Trek Discovery got delayed again. Why are you doing this to my soul? <laughs> I didn't do it yeah, to you. I didn't I know. Saw I was st- totally ignorant of this fact. And I then thought you, were just- you already knew. Cool. Uh, yeah, and they have not really announced a date just there they're evaluating evaluating what (laughs) how amazing it's gonna be in retrospect they may have rushed things at the start and then realized the project was going to be maybe a little bigger than they thought it was going to be and then they lost brian fuller in the process and but they're they're still doing it they're filming it silver, silver lining I know that they are filming it in Toronto. Yes. Which just gives me more time to get someone to cast me as a background alien. <laughs> you want to be an alien? I want to be anything. Any, I would be absolutely anything. I would be a bartender on background Star Trek. <laughs> like anything. My dream of being on Star Trek would is is just I'm, I'm just gonna put it this way it's you want to be a bus girl in the in the sure. uh, the officers club uh i i would it could be maintenance <laughs> I, I, I would totally be Caitlin McKinnon, space janitor hey i'd be a red shirt okay <laughs> i would i would die some sort of horrible phaser death um for the chance or get eaten by a slime monster for the chance to to be in star trek there you go um, hollywood so this just you heard makes her. my chances to get myself prepared just that much <laughs> that much better that, that's a great attitude kate thanks <laughs> well let's end on good news then uh one of probably the more formative things even though i cannot really remember anything about it other than that the basic plot and that i greatly enjoyed it was the novel good omens Co-written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, or Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, depending on the edition you were buying. And in a world where everything Neil Gaiman has ever touched has been licensed and adapted, kind of seemed odd that that one was still sitting there. No longer! (gasps) The co-production between Amazon and the BBC, Good Omens, is getting a miniseries that will air in 2018. Neil Gaiman will write the adaptation and act as showrunner, which I believe is a new look for him. But That's super cool. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to build stuff up so he can get everything else made. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how much of an active role he was playing on American Gods. Maybe in an earlier iteration of that. Maybe when it was going to be HBO, which is what yeah. I heard first. He might have been more involved on the production side at that stage. But yeah, he's this is what I hear, is that he's going to be showrunner. And Good Omens, which is the story of a... Um, angel and a demon who are both kind of lazy and chill and they like hanging out on earth and they get word that the world's going to end according to the prophecies of this witch Agnes Nutter Mm -hmm. Um, 
I believe the prophecy is the World War end a week from Saturday, right around dinner. I, <laughs> I think believe. that's right, yeah. Something like that. Uh, and as they begrudgingly join forces to uh, prevent the end of the world just because they kind of like the world and they like yeah. queen music and motorcycles they, and things of that sort and, and scones. And they, they like harassing people, like, <laughs> you know, ringing them at home while they're in the bath and whatnot. <laughs> So yes, it's definitely the most uh, the most Pratchett esque of Neil Gaiman's works, and probably Pratchett light for any of y'all who are like knee deep in Discworld. It's, I don't know. You'd ha- you'd have to speak to that. It's pretty Pratchett. It's pretty Pratchett. It's it's you can see. It's hints. also Gaiman's first like novel. Yeah, like his first step out of comic writing. And you can you can see hints of of Gaiman in there, um, but there are a lot of Pratchett isms and and whatnot. Pratchett isms. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are so many uh, good parts of that book, but it is it is a wild ride. Well, and you have over a year, if you want to read it, and get up on Good Omens before this miniseries drops. And you all pirate it, because it's going to be on Amazon, and ain't none of us paying for that Amazon Prime to watch. No, we are not. <laughs> to watch them videos. We are not. Sorry, Bezos. I think you'll do fine without us. On that note, we are going to take a break here, and when we come back, Caitlin and I we just really have a gift of picking things that are just not complimentary at all, but we're going to get into the things that we each brought each other, and we will do this after this break. Thank you for listening to us. It's the Geek Down Podcast. To the podcast. Why do you make faces when I'm on it? Because the second you're like, bam, I'm just, I'm not used to it. As I was saying, mm-hmm. welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad you've rejoined us, even though really you just let it play and then it started again. <laughs> you listen to was, five seconds of music and yeah. start again. Um, during that break, we listened to a different podcast and it was a very <laughs> different, different vibe than ours. <laughs> Caitlin got up on the read. Which is really, if we could ever be the read of Nerd Podcast, that would kind of be amazing. That would be like our life complete. We'll, we'll never be that good, but shouts to Crystal and Kid Fury. Yeah. Um, anyways, the, I just got to listen to it and I was like, i got to start listening to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so yeah, they're very different, very different style. So that's good. We're, you know, differentiating. It's important. <laughs> Speaking of differentiating, uh-huh. this is the time in our podcast where yes. we talk about the things we brought each other. Yes. And as you mentioned, we really have a knack for finding things that Oof. are on different ends of the different Oof, spectrums. not even, I mean, they're both played on screens. That's maybe about the only thing these two <laughs> items have in common. Yeah, that's about it. Um, though I have found some similarities. Oh, okay. Which I will bring up later. All right. Um, but to start, we've got some rules. There are some rules. Life is chaos without them. And listen, we, in a world like the one we're living in, in the new world order, we need to just, you know, find a system of order to exist in. We need to file things away. We need to draw straight lines. It's all very important. So to that end, rule number one, which is the rule of three. If the thing we have been asked to watch, read, consume is made up of parts or serialized installments, we will read, watch, listen to, altogether consume three of those parts. Yes. And nothing makes me happier than when Caitlin gives me an hour-long drama on a week where I've given her 
a 61 minute comedy special look <laughs> i tried to give you something you, else you were you were doing you were doing good you were doing good for a while I can't complain. You were doing, and I tried to fault. give you something else, and you were like, "Do I have to?" It would have been the same problem, but it's not that long. Is that it? was an hour. Well, it would have been forty-five minutes. Still, once you it cut it cuts it down a little bit once you've done three of them, um, and the reason, sorry, just so everyone knows, maybe mm. new listeners, why we do this is because when something is serialized, especially a television show. The first one can take some time to get its own feet. You just got to give the thing a chance to become the thing it's going to be. Yes. That's how we do that. Uh, rule number two is hashtag save it for the pod. Save it for the pod. Whatever we are talking about, we don't talk about it until we're sitting in front of these microphones. Yeah. The only exchange we had this week is a couple of memes. About the thing we were watching or no? Just in, no, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Did we? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I said a couple of I, I, had to, I had to clarify. I had to specify. Yeah. It's a thing that's been adapted many times over the years. So I had to, I had to be clear about it. Um, and, of course, the third rule, which isn't really a rule. It's just more of a policy. Yeah, there's going to be spoilers. Who cares? Yeah. And really, these doesn't, things. Doesn't really apply this week. No, it really doesn't apply. So, yeah. With that all out of the way, we're going to move on to the first thing, which is what I brought, Jordan. Yes. This thing ran from 1984 to 1994. It has nine series slash seasons, 41 episodes. It is The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Welcome back to British TV, y'all. The fireworks again. Um, It was first released on uh, Grenada Television, which is a British, uh, was a British television station. I don't think it exists anymore. I saw this show on A&E, back when A&E was good and wasn't like, <laughs> didn't have the, Duck Dynasty or whatever it's got now. A&E stood for Arts and Entertainment. Yeah. Um, I think it was also on PBS, but I'm not positive about that. It features Jeremy Brett, who is wonderful as Sherlock Holmes. Caitlin actually got into a, a heated discussion, I forgot, I forgot about this, with a listener of the show over who the best Holmes is. There's no question. You, you are firm, Jeremy Brett. Holmes. There's period. The only argument about anything to do with Sherlock Holmes in this series is who was the be- best Watson, hmm. David Burke or Edward Hardwick? It's Edward Hardwick for anyone who wants to know. Well, I only saw the first dude, so so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Maybe later on you can explore more, but that that's like I said, that is that is the best Watson. Um, of course, these are the stories adapted. Uh, from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. The series is pr- plays pretty closely to the stories. Um, they do a great job adapting. I've also obviously read the short stories as well, and some of the uh, a little bit longer ones. They were originally serialized and then sort of mashed together. Um, so it it doesn't... It takes one episode to tell one story. It doesn't... Um, pull it out over a long period of time and they're just fun british mysteries lots of fog lots of tea drinking lots of homes being awesome jordan what'd you think copping to another giant gap in my uh cultural knowledge never really fucked with homes okay never really read the stories you know knew who the character was knew of the relationship of holmes and watson 
saw the Guy Ritchie movies. Boo, boo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just assuming that's your reaction to the Guy Ritchie movies. Um, and we also know I don't really have a whole lot of experience with mysteries either. Yes. Not really a genre. That's, I dabble in too much. That's my geekiness yes. showing. So I, I, watch, watching these, I felt like these are probably very close adaptations they, they to are, the stories. Yes. So to that end, I was kind of alarmed and filming in because, like I said, this is a gap for me. Like, was Conan Doyle, like, the first kind of mystery writer? One of the first? He was one of the first. He was definitely the most popular. Detective stories, these sort of things? Yes. He was the most popular. Um, Again, it was serialized, so people were really invested. Mm. Um, They were set in his modern time, which was Victorian England. Um, And... I ask that because I found all of these surprisingly kind of basic. Yeah. Um, Which I wasn't expecting. I don't know. He's the most brilliant mind of the world. And... For me to go like, well, it's obviously that dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I have no mind for these things at all. I don't mm-hmm. watch them. I don't know the, I'm not familiar with the mechanics and the tropes and whatnot. So like that third episode, I'm like, it's obviously the brother. Like, <laughs> and it turns out it was. I, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of deducing going along. Uh, so I watched the first three, which was, uh, they're, they're all adapted from, I didn't know there were that many effing home stories out there. There are. Um. So the three I watched were Scandal in Bohemia, the Naval Treaty, that was third, on oh, the Dancing Man was the second Dancing, yeah. Um, and this is why we give the rule three, because I was not impressed with a Scandal in Bohemia. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the case, had an alarming amount of buffoonery yep. for, the, for the world's greatest <laughs> deductive mind, a lot of prosthetics and wigs and such. I'm mm-hmm. like, really? You're Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know clowning around and... Uh, and costuming was that much a larger part in those stories. Um, Dancing Man, I enjoyed more. Probably I like the Dancing Man the best out of the three. Even though, again, it was like... You know, she was married before. That was like my, <laughs> was like my immediate thing. It's just you know, code-breaking little cipher type of story. It's mm-hmm. like, what do these drawings mean? It's obviously a cipher. He's going to figure it out. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and we know me and just the cadence of British talking and the first time watson said cocaine <laughs> i was like that was the sound of me smacking my, my forehead <laughs> cocaine <laughs> what was it this week what was it tonight holmes morphine cocaine <laughs> holmes is indignant accusation um <laughs> so the memes we passed were uh were me clarifying that this was in fact the Holmes adaptation I was supposed to be watching, these Jeremy Brett ones. Um, and Caitlin responded by sending me gifs of Jeremy Brett <laughs> leaning or spinning his coat and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so break it down for me. Why, why, is, why is he the one? The, the, the best Holmes? Yes. Um, it's because he is so engaging in the role. Um, it, it does have a lot to do with later on in the series as he continues to play the role. Um, he, the performance gets better and better. The, so, yeah, because he's not a young dude at the start no, of this, and if the, you did it for like another decade, the like... series gets better and better. And actually, um, the fact that he is an addict comes up mm. in the series. Um, and is is he addicted to cocaine? C- c- he is addicted to cocaine <laughs> and morphine, and uh, finds that it he feels like it. He needs it to 
be at the top of where he needs to be um, to solve some of the so, harder mysteries. And when he's boy, even says in the first episode, it's when he's bored and when he doesn't have a case. Yes. Fires up the old, the old brain pan. Yeah. Um, what's really, really interesting is when they were taping the last, I think, couple of series of this, um, Jeremy Brett was actually dying. Oh. So he really gets kind of in the stories, Holmes starts to get sort of wild eyed and, and Jeremy Brett really embodies that. And I think with that, those performances, it's really a deep layered performance. He's just, he really obviously read the material at some point and embodies a lot of um, Holmes's quirkiness and mind, but also even though he can be abrasive sometimes, Holmes is also very, he's very polite, kind, a deep down person. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. He is, like I said, <laughs> it's abrasive. Pretty, it's pretty dickish in, <laughs> in the three And he is because he has this, this brain that's just so above everyone else. Um, when Sherlock, which is the newer BBC featuring Benedict Cumberbund. Um, <laughs> Boodle Snoop Cabbage Patch. Um, the thing I liked is that they kind of played on that. They made him even worse, which I think this day and age would do to someone. And they kind of implied he's on the spectrum, didn't they? Yes, there's that as well, which, um, which, uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle actually based Sherlock off of a couple different people who were probably also on the spectrum. Mm. Um, people he'd met in sort of the science world. I think maybe actually an investigator as well. So there, he has some very human flaws and a lot of main characters, especially in that time when I feel like literature was starting to, to peak and evolve, um, didn't. They were kind of heroes of the day, whereas Sherlock was a hero of the day. He also was never, there were never really any romantic entanglements except for the story uh, A Scandal in Bohemia, um, which is the only appearance of the woman. And oh, really? Yeah, uh, she only comes up in a story later on, um, but she she doesn't appear ever again. Because that was your beef with the Moffat Holmes, right? You thought you thought they totally killed that character, didn't you? They did. They could have done interesting things to bring her back, and they made her very. It was all about sex, and and it wasn't. She was a tool of Moriarty's, yeah. and all That's of that. A, yeah, that was the thing. She wasn't. It wasn't her own. She had no agency on herself. It exactly. was in service to dudes. Yes. And I just think that, and Sherlock does, even in this series, you know, he has a, a distance from women. He never, there's no, like I said, in romantic entanglements. It's all about the solving of the crimes. Now, like you said, they're basic because he's the first really main. Yeah, it's the first time they were trying this. Yeah. Um but the how he deals with people and how he discovers things that becomes better and better as the series goes on. Cool. Yeah. Cocaine. Cocaine. Um, now, as far as the stories like themselves, like I said, the uh, the Dancing Men was the one I probably enjoyed the most. Um, it's just that thing that in the Naval Treaty, the the moaning sissy boy. <laughs> Which I'm sure that was how the character was designed, but it's like, oh, he some treaty got stolen that he was supposed to copy, which is I'm sure a thing I would have assumed existed in Victorian England. Mm -hmm. But when you see it put out in front of you, it's like oh, there were dudes who just their job was to write things out. Yeah, it was. And that was this dude's job. He was supposed to write copy this. They need to copy this treaty. Well, you don't take it to the 
fucking Xerox, some dude <laughs> lays out some paper and writes it out by hand. And it gets it gets stolen from him, and oh, he's just so he's facing ruin. And whatever will he do? And he just bemoans on the on the fainting couch for half the episode. It's just like, brah, brah, seriously, <laughs> seriously, brah, get it together. They, those that that sort of you know distinctly British thing yes. is always going to be hard for me to reconcile did you like jeremy brett's performance i don't really have anything to go against aside from i guess i've got i've got downy yeah um i've got downy and cumberbatch which are kind of they're doing similar things Mm -hmm. even though they're set in different times um so i guess this is probably the first time i've seen any sort of you know traditional homes yeah laid out in front of me um there was an upward swing Yes. Like the first one was not not that great. The first also eighty four, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you gotta forgive it a little bit. The eighties were a weird time for television. Um but definitely as far as like the performances and just the way the stories were told, the way they looked, um, the way they were filmed, there was an upward arc and I enjoyed him more in the later two episodes, probably because like I said, this is really a lot of buffoonery in the first episode which i was not expecting mm-hmm. um the second one was more you know keen deducing even though they didn't really say that there was much deducing and he's a much more physical agent than i was expecting yes he just does a lot of stakeouts and mm-hmm. <laughs> and hanging out and, and, and disguises <laughs> and disguises um in a very awkwardly slow-mo filmed action <laughs> scene told in shadow in the third episode yes I remember that episode really well, actually, from when I was a kid. Like, oh no, <laughs> smack! Man, think... you are gonna love when I give you "Murder She Wrote" one oh, of these God. days. Love it. <laughs> Angela Lansbury prone to buffoonery as well. No, just there's a lot of like things in shadow and oh, people God. going, no, no. <laughs> Pray for me, listeners, <laughs> for the day I get murder. Oh, she and wrote. big shoulder pads, like big puffy <laughs> I'm, shoulder. Pads. I'm here for that, actually. I'm here for some. I'm here for some shoulder pads. I'm like, murder. She will just put me in mind of like the times I visited my grandma's house as a child and her, you know, basic network TV on Saturday night. Yeah, it was literally nothing else on television but football or murder. She wrote when you went to grandma's house on a Saturday evening. Murder. She wrote. Murder, she wrote. Stop that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what, what are we going to give this? It's a weird... Uh, give it a seven, I guess. Okay. It's a weird It's a weird thing to try and evaluate. I mean, it's a, it's a pillar of <laughs> okay. English literature. It's yep. like, <laughs> it sucked. It's a four. Um, no, I respect it for being like the first sort of thing of its kind. Uh, Jer- I don't know that Jeremy Brett inspires the sort of dedication it does to you, but I have not seen... The whole of his performance, I'm sure if you have, and you have seen basically this dude's, the last portion of this dude's life essentially play out while he's playing this character, and that's a very, you know, sort of powerful thing to witness, and it will attach itself to you. I'm sure there's a whole generation of Brits out there who, like, I assume this is basically, like, the only thing this dude did for, like... He was also... no Fun fact. He was also in My Fair Lady. <laughs> he played the young man that she finally leaves with. Well, all right. Shouts to Jeremy Brett. Well, he's dead now, so <laughs> he can't. He's, he's not on the posse. This is a question I asked you over Facebook, but oh, I didn't. I don't think I got that question because I totally would have answered with a Jeremy Brett gif. 
I did. No, I didn't know if that's what you were implying. Oh. Because you sent him doing a seductive lean over the side of a the back of a chair. And I'm like, is Jeremy Brett in the posse? And then you sent me, <laughs> you were like confused. Oh. Jeremy Brett, posse or not? Oh. Yeah. No, I think he's part of the... Nah. So, you know substitute, he's on the bench, he can I get rotated he, out? He's on the bench. He, if we need to like figure out a crime... <laughs> He can just pretend he's home. You're not there the all channel. the time. You're like that supplementary samurai pizza cat where like every once in a while they like needed that specialty samurai there pizza cat. There was a fourth samurai pizza cat? There was like four or five, <gasps> I think. They weren't part of the main crew, but every once in a while. Yeah, because there was like a fat one, wasn't there? Oh, just every I, once in a while they had like a specialty need and they would like put out the cat I the cat not, signal. I know it. It's been so long, but I, 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 I dream about that intro music. Samurai pizza cats. <laughs> um, anyways. God. <laughs> Moving on to the thing I brought Caitlin. I have no notes. I don't think I need them, but pretty sure I can go by memory. Uh, so this was a thing that I knew about. I had heard about over the years, year, I guess, and heard mentioned on another podcast that it had gone up on Netflix this week. And I said, well, that's what Caitlin's going to watch. Even probably before I watched it myself, I just assumed that it was something I was going to be into. And my assumption was correct. It is Three Mics from Neil Brennan. It is a comedy special, but nah. Um, as has come up on the show sometimes, but has never really played out, uh, I am a comedy nerd as well. Going back to my parents, finding in my parents' record collection an old Bill Cosby record. It's really unfortunate that Bill Cosby drugged and raped a bunch of women because it kind of erases the fact that he was a very talented story and funny storyteller. Mm. But that's kind of that first comedy album from Bill Cosby kind of, you know, fostered this love of storytelling and comedy that I had that has flared up over the years. And in light of the, you know, comedy podcast, incestuous comedy podcast explosion of the last few years, uh, I've really gotten into it. And Neil Brennan not a name most people probably know, but the biggest bullet point that gets put under under his name is, and I think he's okay with it, but is that he co-created The Chappelle Show. It alarms me to think that there are people who may not know what The Chappelle Show is at this point. What? If people don't know what The Simpsons are. Oh, God. Chappelle Show came out, like, in 2003. Like... Ah! Uh, no. Yeah. Oh. Long-ass time. Long? It's oh. been a long-ass time. So, and it alarms me that for, there's a generation that the way I have to contextualize the Chappelle show is say it was Key and Peele before Key and Peele. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for me, it's like, you know, Key and Peele was them trying to do the Chappelle show again. Now, Key and Peele ended up being something totally different and worked out well for everyone involved. But I remember when they first started, I was like, oh, Comedy Central's trying to get Chappelle show again. Mm -hmm. Chappelle show was really just a sketch comedy show starring Dave Chappelle and co-written and mostly directed by his friend Neil Brennan, who also wrote and directed the movie The Weed Comedy Half-Baked with Chappelle. And yeah, Neil was kind of like on this Fifth Beatle sort of thing where like nobody, he appeared in the sketches sometimes, never really like in a speaking role. Um, and as I think, as Brennan describes it in the show, it's like, imagine you wrote, if you want to know what the Chappelle show is, imagine you wrote some jokes with your friends and then film them, and they become the biggest thing in the world every week for two years. Mm -hmm. That's what the Chappelle Show was, if you've never seen it. It was the 
biggest thing on the planet. And I'm sure you can go to any secondhand store and still find multiple DVD sets from Chappelle Show. And you can look stuff up on YouTube. And you should find it. I mean, even just from you had the giant hits like, you know, Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories and things like that. But you also had this really kind of biting racial commentary and satire. Yeah. Like the N Dash family, which yes. is probably one of the best sketches they've ever done. About a white Leave it to Beaver style 50s Americana family whose name is spelled N-I-G-G-A-R. Yep. And they go from there. Um, and then basically what happened with the Chappelle show is, long story short, Dave Chappelle, star and head writer, kind of started feeling that like, I think the story goes that he was, they were filming something and he felt the white people in the room were laughing a little too hard. Yeah. And he started wondering if maybe he was doing more harm than good and making it easier for white people to laugh at the stuff without realizing without learning anything or realizing that there was a satire involved and and there was a, a little bit of an existential crisis there a little bit and he kind of kind of got it got to him and he to his credit walked away from a shit ton of money and success and kind of went off to find himself literally like left on a plane like literally went to africa for a few months that left neil kind of having to refigure out what he was going to do yeah and has also said in the show he has the benjamin button of careers he kind of did his career in reverse and started to stand up at like in his 30s and right. like most people have got like you know 10 to 15 years under their belt doing comedy he just started doing it then and so three mics he had another special before i think called women and black dudes um and this is not really a comedy special it is called three mics because on stage there are three mics and at the first mic he does traditional stand-up setups, punchlines, things like that. Mm -hmm. On the third mic, he does one-liners or basically tweets. He just like takes out some cards and just some jokes he doesn't really have a place for. And then the middle mic is what he dubs emotional stuff, which is more of a like the moth style storytelling mm -hmm. bit where he gets into his struggles with depression, his relationships with women and other people and his own self-esteem issues and ultimately uh his relationship with his family specifically his father so emotionally it kind of runs the gamut now i had heard some of these stories before because i'm a fan of brennan's and he had a fantastic podcast which is still sitting on itunes and you can go back and listen to called the champs which he did with another comedian named moshe kasher where basically at that time when they were doing it five or six years ago they all felt that the podcast space did not really we love representation did not have enough representation right so Neil and Moshe decided to only interview black people and people of color. Right. And if you want to know why I love drop so much and why I'm always <laughs> <laughs> irritating you with my insistence on adding drops, mm -hmm. it's because of the champs. Because <laughs> okay. initially they had a third guy named DJ Doug Pound <laughs> who would always just do drops, always just do drops. And even on their last episode, <laughs> they brought Doug back because Doug left halfway through. They brought Doug back and you just hear Neil going like, the fact that people didn't love the drops is just so bizarre to me because they're yeah. fucking funny. Um, so yeah, Neil had told some of these stories that end up on the special on the podcast. I did not know all of the stories, specifically the third one. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets super intense and super real. Kate McKinnon, not always up on, not always a fan of things that get super real and super um intense. When, well, no, that's true. Um, I'm just going to start by saying this was very confusing. <laughs> I knew I, I, 
I didn't know what exactly it was going to be because I don't, besides the Chappelle show, I don't know any of his work. Mm. I hadn't heard anything he'd done. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, I really did hand it to you, Cole. That was just mm-hmm. like, I, just like it's this nothing thing. that ever came up that we talked about before on the show no. or in their personal lives. That's just like, I saw it was on Netflix. I was like, boom, this well, is what you're getting. It was kind of funny because I was actually going in my list and at the end of the this year, I did a whole big list of things I'd want you to watch. And one of the things I have on there is some stand-up. Mm. So the fact you gave it to me first, I was like, damn it. But it's not really stand-up. <laughs> it's not. It's, I actually wrote down, because by the end of it, I, I was starting to think that this is basically, it's like, it's the id, the ego, and the superego. Mm. Like, in some kind of form. I don't know if that's what he, if he thought about that when he did it this way, but... There, for those of you who don't know, just it, this is a really simplistic version um, of of that theory. But it, it's basically it's a theory by Sigmund Freud. It's a it's a theory with the psyche, and that it's broken up into three parts, which is the id, which is uncoordinated, uh, unstructured trends, um, the ego, which is sort of the bridge between. It's the organized, realistic part and it sort of mediates between the id and the superego which is a critical and a moralizing role so in that way it was I felt like the id was his one-liners which he opened with which mm. were these little did he yeah I guess he did open with the one-liners with the one-liners and then the ego which was I would say would be the third mic which was more of a, a classic stand-up yeah um and the super ego which was this talking about um his relationships and his depression and and what was the the thing that was jarring about it because from the because it it would go one-liners traditional stand-up talking about emotional stuff back to one-liners and it, it happens maybe did he always follow that pattern I yes can't remember it happens about three times yes and so one-liners okay and then this third thing, um, the traditional stand-up, okay, so we're, we're continuing the funny. And this third thing, it was, you always thought this maybe was a long story with a joke at the end or a long story with little bits of humor woven in. And I didn't find them lacking jokes. Uh, they, well, they, Sometimes they were like self-deprecating, but. I, but there were no, there were no laugh out loud, like it, was, it could nope. be clever um, and interesting, but that third part that that him talking about the emotional stuff, by and large, there was no, there was no joke. There was no punchline. There was like as an example, he gives when he's talking about his depression, he says black guys always really loved hanging out with him because he didn't really like have a filter or like you know he kept it real for yeah. lack of a better term. And they'd always say you know, they always say to me, Neil, you don't give a fuck, and I'd be like, that's because I'm sad. Yeah, like that, that, that's what humor is in that portion of the. Yeah, um, so that was always a little bit jarring because you almost, and I think the aud- you could feel it in the audience, you almost were wondering if you should laugh. Mm. Like there's that questioning of it's clever and funny and interesting, and you're not laughing at him, but you're laughing because he's made a good point or he's, you know, uh, uh, talked about something that was humorous in his life, but it was so. Um, heavy sometimes that you're like, I can't laugh at this. This is serious, mm-hmm. sad stuff or or serious stuff in general. Um, and I think he did that 
to get people's attention. And I think it was a really good way to have people listen. Um, I think I thought it was super, super interesting. Um, and he's a very, I thought he was a really good storyteller. Like even when he was, Oh yeah. In those moments where it got kind of basically dark spit pen. We'll get to the third one in a minute. But. Yeah. And I think that I think I would have preferred that. I Just I, that. I mean, I also think his stand up was great um, and it was interesting in, in a different. But I think I didn't particularly like the, the three mic system. I think what he did was interesting, but I would have just preferred him to talk about. Because I'm sure stories. I haven't read any like interviews he's done since it hit Netflix, but I'm sure the intent was sort of like not to be super, like he didn't want to just have this like super well, was me like hour, oh. hour long one man show type of thing. I get that. I do. I under that's why I was saying he obviously did that to have people listen. And when someone is going on about these sadder things or more serious things, people have a tendency to tune out. Um, but there was also no connection mm. really between any of these. Yeah. It's just the light goes out and he switches mics. And he switches mics. There's no, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transition. Transition or, or even like, th- there's no thread, mm. right? Um, the only things that are threaded is when, w- near the end he talks about how when he can make up little jokes, it's like being able to gasp for air in a room that's filling up with water. Mm. Um, and that's another reason why I think it sounded like the id, right? It's just this thing he can do it's almost a compulsion, right? He can just come up with these one-liners um, or these jokes that he can tell. Um, and then he does a stand-up and at one, another part in the serious part, he talks about what stand-up is for him mm. um, and why it's important. So there is that thread. Um, I feel if there was more of one, I would have liked the, the separation more, but he was a really good storyteller. So I could have listened to him just talk or done a one-person show for an hour yeah, i guess that's a valid point because there's there will be times when like he goes so real on this stuff and so intense that it's one part relief but also jarring i guess when it switches up again mm-hmm. like when he goes like super deep and you're just taking in this like point he's made about you know his relationships and his relationships with women and why he always felt the need to like stand behind people and like that's probably why he started writing with people because and why he has a relationship with Chappelle even happened because it was that's why he likes directing and he likes writing for people because he never had to like be out front Mm -hmm. um and it gets super intense about himself and how he views his work and relationships and then it's like boop the light goes out and it's like oh it's time to laugh again yeah at the same time you're kind of like ooh, but I'm like no I'm in I'm in that space still yeah I want to hear more of that and maybe that's part of the point maybe I'm just very uncultured and (laughs) awful um and the other thing was, I didn't think his one-liners were particularly funny. <laughs> like, they were okay. I, I mean, they're like tweets, right? Yeah. They're like, they're probably the weakest part, but that they're meant to be. They're just yeah. like, they're just, they're one-liners. But I, his stand-up was also fantastic. And he said some very, very funny things. And there were a couple moments where I laughed out loud, which is very, it's a very hard <laughs> thing for comedy to do to me, is to make me laugh out loud. Fucking bit about testosterone. Yes. Testosterone <laughs> was amazing. He kept doing dips yeah. on the stool. <laughs> Every time t- testosterone came up, 
he kept he would do dips. <laughs> he would and do he, one arm dips on the stool because yeah. that's what testosterone is like. It's like Let's do some dips, bro. One of my favorite parts, speaking of that, was he was talking about how women are made or how we sort of think of how women should be made, mm. which is you know large breasts, skinny waist, large hips and butt, <laughs> skinny legs, tiny feet. And he's like, if an architect was asked <laughs> to make a woman, he'd be like, no, nah, man, it's not safe. <laughs> like it just, and then testosterone comes in and goes oh no man you got to make that <laughs> no, you got to build that yeah, so. you got to build that um so yeah he was he was very funny and made me laugh out loud a couple times which is a good marker of of how funny someone is for me um but yeah that was it was very jarring and again maybe that's the point maybe it's you know showing how his brain works a little bit and how he has these different personas he has this little part of him that can just crank out these little one-liners as these sort of gasps of air this other part that has a very you know this is sort of this outside persona he has which is all comedy and funny and a stage presence and then there's the in this inside that's like these are the things i've been through and they were harsh and this is what's the the real inside and what it's like um looking out basically mm-hmm. so it was like i said interesting it just you know but i mean to put it into context as far and without revealing everything because i do think listeners i think you should watch it um he had the third segment is specifically about his father and he's like oh yeah also i gotta mention um stand-up comedy and a lot of comedy comes from a jewish place a lot of times okay a lot of comedians are jewish the Jewish experience has fueled a lot of comedy from Woody Allen to Larry David. Like think, it's all. I think a lot of that is also just art and music. Possibly. And I think it's just about, it's about self-expression. Um, but as a Catholic, I always perk up when there's a Catholic comedian who makes points about that, mm-hmm. that listen, the most, the biggest reconciliation I ever had with my childhood quote unquote faith mm-hmm. was listening to like when I was burning through, um, Mark Maron podcast when yep. I first got into him and her Conan O'Brien on it. And he said something to the effect about like, you know, growing up Catholic is being like, you know, you're basically told from the jump that there's always something wrong with you because you should always be asking God for forgiveness. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God. I just like stopped on Spadina <laughs> Avenue. I was like, Oh God. That was like, yes, yes. Jesus Christ. That was like my entire childhood. Um, so for Brennan to get up there and be like, I grew up Catholic. Any Catholics out there? And there's a couple like, who else yeah. grew up Catholic? And there's some whoops. He's like, yeah, you still doing it? He's kind of like silence. He's like, if growing up Catholic, being Catholic is like playing trombone. You're kind of like, after high school, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep. So I appreciate any time uh, Catholicism gets prodded at. Um, the third segment of emotional stuff is about his father. And I knew, I put it in the context of how like, emotional it gets he had tossed off one time during the champs mm-hmm. the story about asking his dad if he ever loved his kids yeah and his dad being like nah yeah. i don't really ever think i did that's not the most intense part of this monologue no it's not <laughs> that's like a setup yeah to what happens later and i'm not gonna spoil what happens later but like that's where we're he's gonna take you some places and i guess i respect he definitely wanted to do something, you know, getting up there and yipping into a microphone for an hour and telling jokes. He had kind of done that. He had a special before, like he, he wanted to do something else. He wanted to try and push stand up forward a little bit or what he wanted out of his stand up. And I greatly 
respect that. And when you try something new, it's not always going to be perfect. And I I do agree that it can be jarring because he gets so raw. Yeah. And then to have to put on like, oh, it's LARF time again. That can be- yeah. And and I but and I want to hear more, right? I want it because there are some things he identifies, which is, you know, especially with illness, mental illness, people don't believe you. Mm. And it's for someone with mental illness, it makes it even worse because you don't have a cut or a bruise or a runny nose or, yeah. you know, you can't be like, oh, see right here, I can I can show you I'm telling you the truth. Um, and he talks about depression as people, you know, just you just have to feel better. You just you just have to make yourself get out of it. That's like telling someone with the flu to just you're just make make your nose not runny anymore. Make your cough not bad anymore. Oh, God. Yeah. I forgot about him going into all the treatments he tried for, for it. Yeah. And how he, he, he went through some treatments. Yeah. Which I did um, not know. Some really, like, he gets into that, and, and all of that was fantastic. So, and I would have just, honestly, he could have talked for three hours, and I would just listen to him talk, <laughs> and been really in a, maybe had a Kleenex or two uh, around just in case, um, because it was really thought-provoking and, and interesting to see someone's life who kind of had depression and had been through fame and fortune and still, you know, wasn't happy. Mm. Well... Not to put a numerical rating on someone's <laughs> lived experience, but... I'm going to give it a 7.5. All right. Um, I did really enjoy it, but I the the fact that it was so... Uh, well, we use jarring a lot, but there's no thread through it. Mm. Um, I, I thought there could have been more work on that. I thought those transitions were a little abrupt. Yes. Even if they were by design, you as a viewer thought yeah. they were a little abrupt. A little abrupt. And... and um, I would have enjoyed, I think, his just his stand up more than the the mix of the stand up and the sort of one person show. Um, and I would have enjoyed just a one person show better than again mm. the mix of the the two of them. So, yeah. Well, either or, you try something new. It's not necessarily perfect, but still doesn't mean it's not worth watching. So yes, I I actually would say, especially if anyone interested in stand up or comedy, um, I would definitely uh, take a look at this. Definitely, and that is sitting on your Netflixes. Just it's just right there. It's right there. It's just right there for you to watch. Yeah. Um, and you want to know what else is on Netflix? Oh, who's gonna go first? I'm gonna go first. All right. What else is on Netflix? Voltron. I just saw that season two. Voltron. You want to know something? <laughs> you watched it all already. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Holy shit! Twelve episodes. <clears throat> Maybe thirteen. Thirteen episodes. <laughs> Kate. Yeah. That went up on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it is Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't text you on the weekends because I think you're busy and like you're doing social things. And no, it just turns out Kate is literally stuck to her couch, meaning like we adhere to her couch because at Friday, bacteria has formed. At Friday on Friday night, I, I got pretty late, and senior correspondent was like, "We gotta, we gotta stop this, don't we?" And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, like it's... You ever see that sketch on Portlandia about the people, the hippies, the yuppies who discover Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was your life. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, yeah, no, 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 we actually do. And then, honestly, first thing Saturday morning. <laughs> are we what? Are we, we're going to do this, are we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. So we just, you know, ate breakfast and watched more. I mean, it's 13 episodes, 25 minutes a piece. I mean, you could have, yeah. you could have, if you started on Friday, you could have been done by like, you know two in the afternoon on saturday and still had a productive day 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's exactly what you did. Yep. <clears throat> well, how, how was it? Uh, it was great. There were some things that I have qualms with with the writing. Um, yes, we know Hunk is fat. We get it. <laughs> Stop with the physical jokes. Make jokes on someone else being skinny or little or something. We know. He gets stuck in things. Got it. Alora flying a lion yet? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> that means yes. Actually, it, it doesn't because I didn't say anything. <laughs> Peace out, Shiro. Um, but yeah, no, I actually had some twists and turns that were great. It was a lot of like personal development and, you know, really connecting with their lions more. And that stuff was really cool. And there's some twists at the end that are really cool as well. So, um, yeah, it was a good time. Well, Geekdown has always heartily endorsed Voltron Legendary Defender, uh, even though Jordan has not, not seen all of it because he dislikes it. He's just lazy. And because there are other things on Netflix, Jordan really doesn't have anywhere to any ground to stand on to judge Caitlin for binging Legendary Defender because uh, guess who is basically almost done all of Terrace House? Oh, my God. Is it you? Okay, listen. <laughs> Slapping my pen down. Wow. Sunday morning, I wake up. Mm-hmm. Take a leak, come out, check my phone. I have text messages sent at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> from my friend Sasha. Sasha and I have not spoken about this. Sasha and I, no idea. But they are from Sasha, 4.30 in the morning, and they say, I can't believe you follow Yuriko on Instagram. And for those of you who don't remember or don't know, Yuriko? My bae. My waifu. The med student from the early, early goings of Terrace House. Sasha and I had never spoke about Terrace House. I didn't know she was watching it. Didn't know anything about that. Yet Sasha felt the need at 4.30 in the morning to chide me for <laughs> following Yuriko on, on Instagram. Because um, Sasha believes Yuriko is basically everything I already, <laughs> I already said when we talked about it. Basic. Nothing really there. Um, arguably manipulative. Maybe. Kind of played some people. Uh, big question, though. Uh, Most important question. Mm -hmm. Sasha, why are you up at 4.30 in the morning? Is Sasha always up at like all hours of the night? Go to sleep, honey. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sasha always awake in the middle of the night. Sasha never <laughs> sleeps. Um, so I have now discovered and has now formed a sort of uh, Terrace House TV club with Sasha and our other friend, Travis. Oh, my god. Travis told Sasha about Terrace House. Sasha is like done. Just yeah. like watch the whole thing. Travis and I are kind of at the same space. Um, so why has Terrace House continued to be awesome? On the one, <laughs> Kate came in, saw I was watching it, and asked about like, you know, the med student or tap or some anybody mm -hmm. we talked about last week. And I was like, oh no, fuck, they, they, they're long gone. And I was like, what? What do you mean they're long gone? Don't they all have to stay in the house? And he's like, no, they just leave. <laughs> Normally, as we compared it to like the real world or something like that, the only way you leave... Is if, like, you know, you hit somebody, or, like, you throw a punch, or you get kicked out. Yeah. On Terrace House, people just leave because they're done. Yeah. It's like, I've been here long enough. That's cool. I should focus on med school. I should do this. I should do that. Some of them, Mitsuki, the barista, she decided to leave. Her and Tap basically decided to leave when the show got extended. Right. There was news that, like, it was getting, they were going to do another season. They're like, mm, I don't know if I want to stay for that. So they left. So I've gone through about like five casts wow. or like four, four rounds of, of cast members. Armand came in after, <laughs> after the baseball player left and Armand dumb been there the whole time. Armand, get your shit together. Like 
You got to go. And then there's some 39-year-old. Oh, no, he's, he's, 29 he's, he's 29. Year, he's 29. And I know he's going to start dating an 18-year-old because I've read the show descriptions. And bruh, come on, Japan. He better just become a villain and the panel just better, like, tear his ass up. That's what I'm hoping for. Like poor hairdresser with his high voice. <laughs> hairdresser who ended up getting with Minori the model. I do not believe they are still together. Um, but they were together when they left. Also interesting is like it's pretty well well acknowledged that they're on the show. Like they know they're on the show and they watch the show because it's like happening in real time. I don't know if Big Brother does that. If they huh. watch the show on Big Brother. But you will see them watching an episode from like three weeks back my my brain is about to melt <laughs> so sometimes you'll see shit like they're watching um at one point they're watching an episode so Armand ends up getting with this or trying to get with this chick uh arisa who's a hat designer which is apparently a thing you can do in uh, japan apparently and it seems like things are going really good Armand is half iranian half japanese right and lives in hawaii wow so He's, you know, American, so he's super forward. He's, like, holding hands, like, immediately and, like, arm around the waist. And the panel's like, <gasps> Gasp. And uh, for reasons we don't need to get into, Armand gets shot down by her, basically. He's like, I want to, you know, can we be boyfriend, girlfriend? And she's like, mm, no. Let's be honest. Arisa was probably only there to get some eyes on her hat brand. And once uh, that <laughs> exhibit was over, once that was kind of out there, she's like, I'm good. And she leaves. Um, Armand stays because he has nowhere else to go. But you'll see there was an episode of them watching the episode where Armand got shot down. Uh. Like, Armand's sitting there watching himself get shot down. And it's like, ooh, yikes. So that's just a weird thing that I wasn't expecting. It gets oddly meta sometimes about how they know they're on a show. Anyway, Terrace House continues to be amazingly comfy. New season, Aloha State starts Tuesday. Wow. When this is online, when you were listening to this, friends, you can just get in on the ground floor with your mans. I have a uh, small point also mm. to make. Um, my rating has changed for Terrace House. Oh. It is gone down to a six. Gone down to a six? Yeah. Did you watch more Terrace House? No. I was just <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> Fuck you. What? No, I, I put this, I wrote it down before I got here when I was making notes. I was like, Terrace House, it's a six. Terrace I like really don't care about it. Terrace House is fucking great. <laughs> watch Terrace House. Uh, yeah, Aloha State, because it's in Hawaii. Change of venue. Exciting. Um, they're going to be in Hawaii and yeah, that starts, I don't know if it's, it's Netflix, right? So it's going to be a, it'll probably be a binge drop type of thing. We'll have to contain ourselves. I think Sasha, Travis and I are going to try to like ration ourselves so we can have an actual, actual TV club. Actual conversation. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got, uh, two more, uh, short updates. Hit me. I forgot to mention, I have been watching Rebels, new season of Rebels. Okay. Um, and I've been watching it for once. As the show is coming out, which is... Which you hate. Well, and is very different for me. Because <laughs> um, now I anticipate, like, I have to be uh, nervous about, like, what's going to happen. Whereas what I usually do is just put on the next episode. <laughs> uh, so it's going really, really well. Lots of cool things are happening. Happening If you're into Star Wars, again, definitely take a look. So good. Um and then finally, also, I have in the middle of reading a comic book called Scalped, which is written by Jason Aaron and drawn by R.M. Guerra, I believe you, uh, you say it. Um, it's really good so far. I'm really enjoying it. Let me know if you've read it and if you enjoyed it. And uh, I'll talk about it later, probably. Next know, episode, maybe. I know many people who are reading it and enjoying it. One thing we have to talk about. Yeah. I forgot until this moment. I may actually drop this earlier in the show. Caitlin 
almost did not get three mics. I had something else I was thinking of giving Caitlin. Which was? And I said, hey, have you seen Chewing Gum? Oh, yeah. Which is a show on Netflix, a British show on Netflix, sort of a sex comedy thing told from a perspective of a, uh, I don't know her heritage, but a young black girl and her super Christian religious family and her boyfriend who's probably gay and refuses to touch her and how she tries to reconcile her faith with her desires and whatnot. And it got a few chuckles out of me. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, Kate, you seen Chewing Gum? And Kate said, I, no, I, I did. And I didn't like it. I saw part of it. And I had to stop watching her, it. Her exact words were, mm, couldn't do it. I said, well, <laughs> that ends UK TV outreach attempt 2017. <laughs> Briefly, why didn't you fuck with Chewing Gum? I didn't like it. I didn't think it was funny. We are never going to bridge this gap because I <laughs> actually guffawed a couple times at that show. You guff- I, I, maybe I needed to watch it even longer than I did, but I just didn't think it was funny at all. Just the, like, at the uh, end, her, her the white dude who have no idea basically what sex is, and she's like, yeah. he's just kind of batting at her tits, and she's like, oh, more of that, please. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. Do you ever want anything out of life? Nothing. Just this. I, uh, just playing Ludo until we're old. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that I don't, don't think I'm completely like, you know, wiping my hands of the United Kingdom friends. I do try. Just the one time I tried is the one thing, the one thing that came out of Britain that Caitlin didn't like. Um, I think that's all I have. I may get into a show called, uh, uh, Atelier. Atelier? Yes. Netflix is apparently going in rather deep with this uh, Fuji TV co-production mm-hmm. type thing. We know Terrace House was a Fuji TV co-production. This is as well. It's about a woman who starts once again in the fashion industry and starts working at a lingerie manufacturer, apparently. Oh. And it's been recommended me- to me as a fun piece of trash. So Okay. All right. That, that might go well. And, uh, and shouts to Travis, who I mentioned earlier as a member of the Terrace House TV Club, uh, messaged me this morning on some like, Hey, I listened to the podcast and it was great. What's pasta? Oh, Travis, my, <laughs> because, my cause, darling. Because pasta came up as being as comfy as Tara's house. And oh. He's like, I'm really intrigued. I want to know what pasta is. Yeah, you do. So I sent him the drama fever link. So, Travi, <laughs> if you get, into the, you get into some pasta in the next week, let your mans know. Yeah, because it, yeah, it is comf. Soups. Comf. And look at that gray ass sky. We need it. Yeah, we do. Well, that is about going to do it for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Pod. If you would like to talk to us about any of the nine million things we talk about in a given week, you can do that on our socials, on the Twitter, at Geek Down Pod, Tumblr. It'll happen. Email us, geekdownpod at gmail.com, or on our Facebook group. Which is at www.facebook.com forward slash Geek Down Pod. Come commiserate. Tell us if you have any ideas what you would like to see for next week's show. Which will not really probably be any sort of extravaganza, but we'll mark the anniversary, episode fifty-two. Oh, to, I to thought you... I thought the anniversary would be it's it would be like the first, like the fifty fifty-third episode. <laughs> you want to mark that one to be the fifty-third? Yeah, because that's like so we have nothing planned, and you want more time to plan it. Yeah. All right, the fifty-third episode will mark the anniversary. <laughs> no, I am just saying <laughs> that usually people don't mark their like. The month before their birthday, they mark their birthday, which would be our 53rd episode. All right. Or 2.1. Hair split, huh? (laughs) We will do that then. Next week, bullshit. Just the regular shit. Just the regular stuff. (laughs) We'll figure something out. But get get at us on Facebook and let us know if there is something that you would love us to watch. Um, 
or if you have any ideas for our special episode and not getting ideas from the audience, I'm just saying that if you do have one, we, we would love to we hear We have it. so many ideas. We oh, have so many ideas. We probably ideas. probably won't have time for yours, but I mean, if, if, if you have one. That would be good. Let, let, us, let us know. We'd appreciate it. Because we, we, have, we, have, we have ratings insights now and your BFF's got to build. Like Lego. <laughs> like Lego. And Duplo, apparently. I had a friend on Facebook who was super alarmed. He did not know Duplo and Lego could actually fit together. I'm sorry, what? I don't know how it happens. You'll have to YouTube it. Apparently, Duplo and Lego can fit together. Really? Yeah, you might have to layer the Lego huh. to a certain extent. But Interesting. I'm going to try this. <laughs> oh. Not that I have lots of Lego and Duplo lying around. Okay, well, on that note, <laughs> we are going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to us, friends. And we will be back next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And we will talk to all y'all again next week. See you then. Give us a follow on there. New. Fuck it. <laughs> we'll do it. We're doing it live. Fuck it. What is the? What is sting? What is this sting? Play us out. What does that play us out? What does out? that mean? Play us out.